0: This is Ryan Martin, the host of Psychology and Stuff. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably because you like psychology. And if you like psychology, you will love All the Rage, the podcast on anger and violence out of Phoenix Studios. On All the Rage, my co-host Chuck Ryback and I talk about everything from internet trolls to toxic masculinity to road rage. We bring you mad science, anger management tips, and tons of stories about people losing their cool. You can learn more about All The Rage and other Phoenix Studios podcasts at uwgb.edu forward slash podcasts. All right, and welcome to Psychology and Stuff, the podcast of the University of Wisconsin Green Bay Psychology Program. I'm Ryan Martin, chair of the Psychology Program and host of Psychology and Stuff, and I have a super great, exciting guest for you all. Um, Dr. Janelle Holstead is a school psychologist and chair of the Human Development Program here at the University of Wisconsin Green Bay. How are you, Janelle?
1: Good. How are you? Thanks for having me.
0: You bet. So this is actually your second time on the podcast, but the first time we didn't talk so much about school psychology. We just kind of talked about you and kind of how you got to uh i think you were on our second episode actually so way it's been a
1: long time i don't even remember what we exactly talked about that day
0: (laughs) well you know i don't actually either but it was um like we're on episode 40-ish now so right is that right sophie okay um yeah so we're on episode 40-ish now so that was way back when um So uh, today we are going to talk about school psychology, and I guess I wanted to start out with a a very simple question, which is, well, maybe it's not a simple question, but what is school psychology?
1: That's a great question. So school psychology is essentially the examination of children in school settings. So it's predominantly K through 12, although school psychologists are licensed to work with three-year-olds to Mm. 21-year-olds, because that's legally what schools are required to serve. So if you have a child with special needs, the school district has to start serving that child when they're three, okay. and if that child has special needs when they're in high school, they still get services until they're 21 Really. if they haven't graduated yet. So um, that's essentially the age range that mm-hmm. school psychologists work with. Um, school psychologists work in schools predominantly, and they work with teachers to help identify kids that mm-hmm. have special needs. And when those kids are identified, then they help develop interventions to help those kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, They also help teachers just improve their practices. And, um, you know, like uh, when we think about the scholarship of teaching and learning, that's really what a school psychologist does on a daily basis. They're helping teachers develop um, studies to identify ways to improve in the classroom so it's a really varied job Mm -hmm. because there's no day that's the same Um, every kid that you work with is going to be different and um, it's exciting in that way because every day that you go to work it's it's very different
0: so when you say special needs give me some examples of the types of conditions we might be talking about
1: yeah so that um is a great question so A lot of kids that have special needs might have a learning disability, so their intelligence is normal or in some cases above normal, but for whatever reason, their academic achievement is very low. So you have a kid that's underperforming in reading or math or science, and so they might have a learning disability. Um, We might see kids that have autism um, that, that need some social skills training or some sensory adaptations in the classroom. You might have kids that have oppositional defiance disorder or behavioral disorders, um, and emotional kinds of problems um, or issues such as depression or anxiety um, that is really impacting their school performance. So, if you've taken the abnormal psych class, pretty much any of those conditions, yes, you should. By the <laughs> yes, <way>. you should. <laughs> um, but if you've taken that class, any of those conditions that you've studied, we can see in childhood, and so school psychologists would be able to help and identify mm-hmm. those. Um, They're not providing therapy in the sense that, you know, if you have depression, you go to a therapist, you might, you know, be prescribed antidepressants or something. That's not what a school psychologist would do. The school psychologist would be thinking about the implications of your academic performance and your performance in the school setting. So your depression is impacting your ability to study, to take tests, to, you know, um, play at recess with other kids and those kind of things.
0: And, and then I suspect probably referring out for cases of depression. Exactly. And like that. So. Exactly. OK. So um, it, uh, let's start with, or let's not start with, but let's talk a little bit about how it's different from other. Because I think a lot of people, myself included, have gotten kind of school psychology confused with school counseling. So in what ways are they similar or different?
1: Yes, they are actually very different. Yeah. So a school counselor tends to be assigned to one particular school. So you work at Dan's Elementary School or Chapel Elementary School um, and you are assigned to that student body. Uh, The school counselor may do some like social skills training with the kids, um, but they aren't working necessarily with the kids with the high need special education issues that we've been talking about. Um, They might refer out to the school psychologist, um, but their job tends to be more of dealing with, you know, bullying on the bus or dealing with bullying Mm -hmm. on the playground. Um, They might be dealing with issues, you know, where the the parent isn't as involved um, Mm -hmm. with the kid and they're trying to figure out if there's any abuse or neglect happening in that particular way. The school psychologist, on the other hand, um, there tends to be fewer school psychologists per district. Okay. So they tend to have maybe one school psychologist for every three or four schools. So this gets back to what I was talking about, that your job is really varied because on Mondays you might be at Dan's, at ch- on Tuesdays you might be at chapel, on Wednesdays that you're a different school and you kind of rotate through and you go where you're needed essentially. Mm-hmm. So you're assigned to multiple schools and you're, you're helping the, the more special needs mm-hmm. students and um, identifying those particular needs. School counselors and school psychologists have different demands in terms of job opportunities. Uh, right now, there is a huge need for school psychologists. Uh, they're, um, is
0: that I, nationally or locally? Or both? Nationally and locally. Okay. And so both.
1: Okay. Um, in, in the state of Wisconsin, I think the last time I looked at the um, WeCAN website, which is where you go if you want to get any kind of job in K K 12 schools. Um, There were about 70 school psychology positions across the state um, and there was only like 12 school counseling positions and that doesn't make a lot of sense right because the school counselors there's one per school generally but there's you know less school psychologists per district and the reason for that is because a lot of school psychologists are retiring right now. There was a you know a huge influx of school psychologists and now a lot of those people are retiring. But schools are also moving towards hiring more school psychologists than school counselors because school psychologists can bill for their time, especially if the kid is on Medicaid. Mm -hmm. So let's say I meet individually with a child and the child is on Medicaid and I do like an individual social skills training or a therapy session of some type. I can then bill their insurance and Mm -hmm. the school is making money from my position. School counselors can't do that. Um, And so schools are kind of looking at the cost-benefit of these positions and school psychologists are a little bit more lucrative for them.
0: Okay. So who... uh, This is probably or maybe a dumb question, but I'm thinking about... So my son had um, some speech delays and so was was working with a speech uh, pathologist to, to address that. Who... Who coordinated that care? Like, I I mean, I know who I met with, but I guess I don't know that person's background. Like, is that a school psychologist or is that someone else? It might
1: have been the school social worker. Okay, It kind of depends on the need of the student and if it was a parent or a teacher referral. Um, If it was, you know, straight speech therapy that was the main concern, then it was probably a school social worker and the school psychologist might not have been involved very much at all. Um, But if there was any kind of intelligence testing or concern about their academic achievement, then the school psychologist would have been involved.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So part of what I'm hearing, too, is that there's a pretty big system of people working in this area. Who right, are, exactly. Because
1: yeah. we haven't talked about school social workers or right. speech pathologists, but right. most schools have those positions as well.
0: Yeah, so when it comes to just coordinating the care of, uh, you know, and, and then once you add sort of the referring out and all of that stuff, exactly. there, it's a pretty big a big system of people working there.
1: The other thing that I should mention that's really um, important, um, because I have a lot of students that come to my office and they want to go into school counseling, and I try to tell them, well, there's less jobs than Mm -hmm. school psychology. The other really important thing to just consider is that school counselors make about $10,000 less per year than a school psychologist does. So they're about the same amount of training. Mm -hmm. It takes um, two years to get your school counseling degree, It takes two years to get your school psychologist degree, uh, but you have to have an additional third year as a one-year internship. Mm -hmm. And that one-year internship tends to be paid at the same rate that you make after. So even though it's a three-year program, Mm -hmm. it's two years plus a year of a full salary. So it's not really a three-year kind of thing to think about.
0: And so that that was actually anticipated my next question here, which is, uh, you know, kind of how does one become uh, a school uh, psychologist? I'm curious. So those are master's degrees right. that you're just describing. Exactly. Um, let's talk a little bit about what's the what's the difference as far as what you can do with a master's versus a PhD. You know? Great
1: question. So if you get your master's in school psychology. You get that one-year internship, which Mm -hmm. turns your degree into, it's called an education specialist degree. And that's the degree that you really need to be a licensed school psych in the state of Wisconsin and and nationally. So if you have the EDS, the two-year coursework, one-year internship combination, you're pretty much only able to work in a through K-12 school. You could work in other kinds of settings that have schools, such as correctional institutions. If you're in a juvenile correctional facility, the state is required to educate you. So there's a school in every juvenile correctional facility. So you could work in that kind of setting. Or you might work in a residential care facility. So kids that have not been successful at home, that need some residential help, that live on some kind of residential campus, there's a school there too, because we're legally obligated to educate all kids, three-year-olds to 21. So, you could work in schools or residential facilities or juvenile correctional faci- uh, facility, but predominantly everyone's at schools. Okay. If you have a PhD, that opens up your your door much more. You can still do all of those things that I've just talked about, but you can also work in university settings, teaching um, school psychologists, working in graduate programs. You could work in hospital settings. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I know at the Children's Hospital of Wisconsin down in Milwaukee, they have a child development center. um, And that's that's largely school psychologists um, who um, do the assessments and the evaluations of kids. Um, So you can work in hospitals. Uh, You can also go into private practice, especially Mm -hmm. if you go on um, and get your HSPP, um, which I'm blanking on what that stands for. (laughs) Um, But I can look it up and let you know um, later. But it's essentially being a licensed um, psychologist.
0: Okay. So if you were working in a private practice as a school psychologist, give me an example of what what that would look like. Who comes to see you? How are they referred? Yeah.
1: So the one interesting thing to note about schools is that Schools are a business, right? So if a child has a identified special need, depending on the severity of that need, the school can request more money from the state. Gotcha. So if you have a child that has autism, that school will get more money for educating a child with autism than, say, a child that has depression or has you know, a learning disability or something that's less severe. Mm-hmm. So a parent might feel as though the school is not... Not necessarily doing their job, but having an angle that is not as objective. Um, And so the parents may say, I want my own assessment. um, And then I can take that assessment back to the school and say, okay, here are some more um, objective results and move forward with that.
0: So it would be a case where maybe the school is saying, hey, we think this child has autism or we think this right. child has a learning disability. Parent doesn't necessarily agree right. and want a, a right. second opinion.
1: Or the school might say altogether because of what the teacher is saying or what they've observed, this child doesn't need to be assessed. This child doesn't have a special education need. And the parent says, well, let's look anyway. Okay. But the school might not do that because there are so many kids with special needs. Right.
0: So is that a pretty... Um, I'm curious to know, like, when those cases come up, do they usually come from—maybe you can't answer this, but do they usually come from the teachers? Do they usually come from the parents? Do they come from—
1: I'd say most of the time it comes from the teachers. Okay. Uh, parents generally don't know what to look for. Right. They might not, you know, see—you know, they've been with their child a very long period of time. They might not have that, you know, developmental lens and looking at, okay, a typical five-year-old is right. doing X. Um, and so most of the time it is mm-hmm. the teachers, but parents do mm-hmm. and can— um, request an assessment right.
0: too. Okay so yeah I think about that all the time with my with my kids I mm-hmm. have two as you know and yes. um, that is that is my norm group right. That's, right that's, exactly. So, so when it comes to comparing kids I have you know essentially the two of them. to and Right. So whereas a teacher has worked with you know hundreds of kids over the Right. Yeah. So. Exactly. Uh, so let's I want to kind of back up a little bit when we talk about so as you know tomorrow which i guess at the time this comes out will have been last week but um <laughs> tomorrow we're going to have 50 students on campus um yeah, you know very exciting. for the psychology open house or 50 potential students on campus for the psych open house and many of them i know or can anticipate are interested in either school counseling or school psychology talk to me about Like, what would you recommend as the route for them? You know, like, and and starting in the beginning, like, what should they major in? What should they maybe minor in? How should they kind of move forward through their academic career to make make the most of this experience?
1: So if they, you know, come in as a freshman wanting to go into school psych or school counseling, definitely, um, you know, getting their gen eds done and then majoring in psychology would be the route that I would definitely say. Um, In terms of minors, um, it's not as, required right um Mm -hmm. human development would certainly fit spanish would be great or any language um you know even public and um public and environment no i have public and environmental affairs public (laughs) and environmental affairs um pea um because you know in pea there's a lot of grant writing classes there's a lot of nonprofit classes and you know schools need those kinds of people that have those kinds of skills um and so that could be you know a good opportunity Um, But definitely a major in psychology. After that, uh, you know, beyond that, taking classes, um, you know, if you were to be at UWGB, the mental health emphasis would be one that I'd recommend definitely taking psychological testing as a class um, because that kind of gets you ready for the kinds of assessments that you'd be doing in graduate school, um, as well as the abnormal psych class would be really important. Um, Then, you know, you know, most grad schools you apply in the fall for the following fall. So planning early, um, you know, and knowing that your senior year, you'd be applying that fall semester or very early in the spring, the deadlines would be. Um, So anything you can do to get into schools and have experience working in schools would be great. So working in an after school setting, working as a classroom aide or a tutor of of some way. Um, But the more experience that you have working with students in school settings, the better. If you want to take time off in between mm-hmm. undergrad and grad school, I always recommend that students consider becoming a substitute teacher. Oh wow. In Wisconsin, you only need to have your bachelor's degree. It doesn't have to have you don't have to have an education degree to become a substitute. You just have to have your bachelor's. So you can go and do that as soon as you're as you graduate. Um, substitute teaching isn't necessarily the most fun thing and it's not school psychology, certainly. Uh, But it gets you really great experience and students that I went to school with in graduate school that had done some teaching or substitute teaching definitely had a leg up Mm -hmm. over me who had, you know, my only experience in school was really being a student. Um, And so that's what I generally recommend.
0: Very good. That's really interesting. So um, I want to talk a little bit about how you, oh, I know what, sorry, I had a real quick question. Yeah. So when we talk about minors, um, what about education? There's a question yeah. I get from people relatively often, which is, if I'm interested in this, should I also minor or double major in education? What is your take on that?
1: Yes. I okay. would say that would definitely be um, a possibility. You can, now that you've mentioned that, um, some individuals that have education degrees end mm-hmm. up going into school psych graduate programs. So you don't need the psych degree. Education or psych would Mm -hmm. be great. A combo of those would be really powerful.
0: Okay. Very good. So how did you get uh, into this area? So uh, we've talked about this a little in our last episode a long time ago, but how did you uh, end up interested in this?
1: Um, I was either thinking about counseling or school psychology. Mm -hmm. And basically when I started doing the research and found that school psych was a much more – marketable field mm-hmm. and um there were more opportunities in terms of um, getting in i wasn't the best undergrad student and so school psych wasn't as competitive as counseling psych and so mm-hmm. i'm going to admit that that was part of my <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> motivation to go into school psych
0: all right we, this is another thing janelle and i have in common that neither of us were the best undergrad. Right. <laughs> so um um so, and then tell us a little bit about your research, because you do some really interesting stuff in uh, with after-school programs. Yeah.
1: So, my research is looking at, it's a program called the 21st Century Community Learning Centers, CCLC. Uh, it's a national program that serves um, underrepresented students in after-school settings. So, in Green Bay, Last year, there were 12. I want to say there are 13 sites this year in the Green Bay School District that have CLC funding. So essentially, the federal government provides money to these schools to provide some after school services. So kids in after school tend to get homework help. They get a snack. They get some academic enrichment opportunities, sometimes from certified teachers who are paid to stay late and stay after school. And then they also get enrichment activities that they probably wouldn't have otherwise, like taekwondo or martial arts or guitar lessons. Um, It just depends on the community partners that a school Mm -hmm. works with. Um, And so my research is essentially looking at are those programs helping the kids academically because we know that not all after-school programs are created equal, right? That you could have one program. I was in one yesterday that they were having kids play with Play-Doh and doing parachute games in the gym but mm-hmm. the big, you know, thing. And the kids were loving those activities and having fun. But if you were to ask, okay, are they probably improving their academic test scores? Are they improving their social-emotional skills? probably not so much and so my research looks at if they're helping the kids academically or socially and then trying to provide that feedback to the sites so that the sites can get better mm-hmm. so it's all about applied research my research is very um, hands-on in terms of giving the data right back to the people that have been helping me gather the data and trying to get them to identify ways that they can actually improve
0: Okay. Yeah. So if you were to before we move on to our game here quick if you were to kind of throw out some highlights from your findings as far as what some after school program should be doing what would some of those findings look like
1: Um the findings would be to involve teachers Okay generally having at least one teacher on staff really helps the quality of the program it helps the other staff mm-hmm. as well see what the behavioral expectations of the school day are see what um you know kinds of academic Okay. tasks we couldn't be doing after school. So definitely having a teacher on site. Um, you know, homework help is, right now, it, it doesn't seem like a controversial topic, but it is right now with after school, um, <laughs> where the state has said that homework help doesn't count as an academic activity, oh. even though that's what the parents want, that's what mm-hmm. the kids want, and it's in some ways the easiest thing for someone that doesn't have a lot of background in education to be able to mm-hmm. facilitate homework help Uh, and the research is very clear that if a student does their homework they tend to do better um, in school and Mm -hmm. so from a research perspective it's very hard um, and it gets into this very murky area where I'm saying okay well here is the research and this Mm -hmm. is a good activity generally speaking but in practice they're not allowing it or not allowing it to count so it's Interesting.
0: Yeah. What is the, and maybe this is outside the area of, of school psych, but I, I've read a lot of interesting things about homework uh, recently, just in the degree to which it benefits or doesn't mm-hmm. benefit kids. Are you familiar with any of that work? Oh. A little bit. Okay. Yeah.
1: So generally, there's an amount of time mm-hmm. spent that will help kids or not. Okay. Right? So first grader, I want to say it's like 15 to 20 minutes or okay. something. It's you know relatively small, right. whereas a fifth grader or a sixth grader has more.
0: Okay.
1: The problem is that teachers don't necessarily know how long it takes their kids right. to complete the homework, and sometimes they're giving something that doesn't take mm-hmm. long at all or it takes way too long, and then right. it hurts the student because they get frustrated and the parents get frustrated or they're not completing it, and then that's right. hurting their grades. And so there's kind of this sweet spot. And after school staff have very little power to change that Mm -hmm. because you can't go to a teacher and say, you're doing this wrong. (laughs) Um, That's not going to really have a collaborative relationship.
0: I think a lot about what we, and this is someone who's totally naive to all this, just thinking about it. Actually, as a parent more than anything, I think a lot about what we ask of kids and how sometimes it's very different than what we ask of ourselves. You know, Mm -hmm. and that like I don't know too many adults who love coming home and then doing work. Exactly. Exactly. And yet, yeah, we ask that of kids all the time. Right. You know, sometimes hours of work after school, and I always think that's sort of a strange phenomenon that we haven't given as much. Uh, thought to in right. some
1: ways. Yeah, and it's funny because the after-school staff will a lot of times think of homework help as you know rows and columns. The students mm-hmm. are sitting in their seats, they're quiet, we're working, right. but adults don't do that. When we have homework, right. we have the TV on, yep. we <laughs> sit yeah. on the couch or the floor. Well, yep. Maybe not adults, but the kids right. might want to sit on the floor and so giving them that flexibility right. is really important.
0: Very interesting. So, well, thank you so much. I guess one final question before we move on to our game and that is... Um, what? Throw out a piece of advice for potential students, or for students who are you already kind of gave people the route. But what are what if, if you could just say one thing that uh, a future school psychologist should know? What do you think that one thing would be?
1: Um. Well, I'm going to kind of edit your question. Okay. That was <laughs> um. I would say it's really important for students to consider school psych. Gotcha. I think that students go in thinking, okay, I'm going to be a school counselor because that's you know you know where my passion is or that's where i've always known and i i would challenge that and i would ask them to look out of that a little bit and look outside the box because there's a really great opportunity in school psych and some people think oh it's just assessment you're just gonna be Mm -hmm. testing kid after kid after kid and that's not the case you'll be Mm -hmm. testing kids yes but you'll also be developing interventions and working with individual kids and families and it's a really a rewarding line of work
0: You know, and I'm going to back that up, too, and say so often what I hear from potential students is, I want to work with kids, or I want to help people, and I want to help kids. And, you know, there are, and I say this as a, 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 someone who once struggled quite a bit with academics when I was growing up, that one of the best ways to help kids is to help them be successful in school. Right. And so if that's what you're passionate about, and that's what you want to do, this might be the best way to do it. Absolutely. So- Wonderful. Well, so we are going to move on to our game. Okay. Um, so it's a game called Five Questions. I haven't played this in a while with our guests, so I'm excited okay. to, to be back. Um, I draw five questions from a hat uh, one at a time. We ask them. If you want to pass, you can. Okay. Um, every <laughs> now, now I'm and, scared. Yeah, <laughs> every, uh, they're honestly usually about food, uh, okay. which is a little weird. Like, I was honestly hungry when I wrote up these questions. So, um, this first one is not. Do you have a favorite newspaper or blog or place that you go read or read? catch up on the news no, no. I
1: <laughs> I largely re- rely on my husband to tell me what's going uh, on in the world I don't have time <laughs> with my four children right most of the time my news is on Facebook I'm sorry okay. no that's quite that's all right. That's not a that's good right. example and, to set but
0: and I, I know your husband and he's very very smart he's and very thorough so, yeah. so he just
1: tells me what I need to know
0: perfect that you know I think most people would love to have a, a source to curate their news for them <laughs> yes. that way so that would be ideal Exactly. So, awesome all right here we go. What is your favorite meal?
1: Crab legs.
0: Cool. And that
1: was on the, um, the PhD club, or the psyched uh, club. Um, so some of you might know that already, but crab legs. That was you, huh? That was me. Okay. Um, but we tend to eat them after the kids go to bed because okay. they take a very long time to eat. I don't know if you've had crab legs before.
0: It's been a long time.
1: But... It takes a long time to eat. So you can eat a lot because, yeah. you know, it, it's like work. Uh, but <laughs> Burn yeah. a lot of calories. So like I eat right. that at like 10 o'clock at night, like nice. maybe once a month we do I am that. in
0: bed at 10 o'clock, <laughs> <laughs> by <laughs> way. So um, all right, let's see. Question number three. What is the first thing you would buy if you won the lottery?
1: Oh my gosh. I don't know. If I won the lottery, I'd probably put it all in the bank. Yeah. I don't know. You know
0: I... My advice, having actually studied lottery winners say, a little bit. Have you bit, won yeah. the lottery? That's what yeah. it no. sounded like. No, no, I have not won the lottery. My <laughs> advice, having I've actually studied some of the stuff on happiness for lottery winners. And yeah. um, my advice would actually be for a little while, don't spend it on anything. Don't change yeah. your life much. Um yeah. Put it in the bank. Don't quit your job. Don't because right. a lot of people end up worse off down the road because they overspend or they think, "Aha, you know, I can." Yeah. and I, They find their life to be a little less meaningful than it was. Right. And so take some time. It yeah. Would be my advice. So yeah. yeah. That's probably there what go. I would do. All right. Well, good. Um, what did you want to be when you were growing up? I
1: think I, I, the this one. I wanted to be an actress. And I wanted to move to New York City and work on Broadway. And that did not happen. (laughs) (laughs) I went to Pitt, the University of Wisconsin. Or, uh, uh, well, the University of Pittsburgh, not the University of Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Um, And I decided I didn't like living in cities. So I thought, well, I can't really work, you know, live in Broadway or live in New York City. And so plans changed. Yeah.
0: Can I tell you the most interesting thing that I recently learned about you? (laughs) Um, And that is that you worked at a haunted house. I did because
1: I wanted to be an actress. It was something I could put on my resume. That
0: was super cool.
1: It was really cool. They did the makeup and everything, you know, really awesome. And then I was the girl. I was like strapped to a table. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a guy that was like cutting my insides out. It was like a fake body. And I was like under. It was Uh, like a, you know, it was a, a fake thing. But so um, i lost did my you voice to, like scream and stuff i had that... to scream like in like total pain and horror uh, like for hours on end geez. in october that would be so.
0: exhausting it was
1: it was yeah. fun though it was really yeah. fun but awesome. yeah
0: very cool all right last question it's kind of hard so if you want to pass i understand okay uh, <laughs> if you could interview one person dead or alive who would it be
1: um probably my grandmother Yes. My grandmother adopted my dad and his sister, Mm -hmm. and she never talked about it. We couldn't Mm -hmm. talk about it with her. And I adopted my first child after she had passed away. So it would have been really interesting to be able to talk to her openly. Maybe she wouldn't have been open about it, but I would have loved to have had that conversation.
0: You know, it's funny. So another thing Janelle and I have in common, we both have adopted children. um, And then also my, both our fathers are adopted yep. as well. And and I have never had I never had a conversation with my grandmother about that either. Yeah. So it was uh, just not something we ever really talked yeah. about. A different generation, I think. Yes. So very much. Wonderful. Well thank you so very much for no being problem. here and for talking about this. Um so wanna give a couple of updates about what's coming up. Um our next episode is uh going to be with our talks speakers. So uh in December Fourth at 7 p.m. We have the psy talks service or psychology service and inquiry. Um, these are going to be five no excuse me four current students and one alum talking about uh, some psych related concept. It's going to be great. It's at the Widener Center. Um, we'll, we'll include a link uh, if you're interested um, but we are going to interview them actually I think backstage before the, uh, before the event um, talk a little bit about what they're going to be talking about that sort of thing so it's going to be really fun we're excited about it um, I'm super excited for this year's SciTalks uh, I think we've got some really great people um, so that'll be our next episode um, I want to say thank you so much to Janelle for being here that was great uh, I want to thank our intern Sophie who's here right now who's doing an incredible job I want to thank our producer Kate Farley and I want to thank our podcast artist Kimberly Vlees. thank you very much everyone